0: Good morning, look at all your beautiful faces, okay, well, let's pray and let's get going this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, your kindness, your grace, your mercy, Um, whatever it is that brought us here, maybe this is our home church, Uh, maybe this is um, still for us the thing that we just kind of in the habit and the rhythm of doing, maybe we're visiting today, Uh, maybe it's been a while since we've been here and we're just trying to get reacquainted Um, God, may we sense your presence and your grace in full effect today. Um, Holy Spirit, do what you alone can do within our hearts and in our minds, um, that you remove me from the equation today, and you just speak faithfully to your people. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, late 60s, early 70s A.D., in the city of Ephesus, uh, we believe that the Apostle John sometime around there, as as it's been passed down, would have passed through Ephesus. Now this is right around the time when John most likely was either preparing to or already beginning to write the book of Revelation as well. It is also during this period that there was a Roman emperor by the name of Domitian. Now Domitian was the first Roman emperor to demand, to demand worship of him. As Lord and God. Matter of fact, so much so that he insisted that his own wife referred to him either as Lord or God. Okay, not honey, not sweetie, uh, not pookie, none of that. Lord or God, that's my name, dear. That's it. From now on, that's how he wanted to be referred to. And then in Ephesus, okay, this amazing city, what he also then uh, became the, the kind of the hub of worship of Domitian. And so what they did, and you can go to the ruins even in this day, is this massive hill overlooking the ocean, okay? And they built this terrace that actually extended off the edge of this hill, okay? It was a a platform that would actually be larger than the surface area of a football field. On top of that would be a a temple that was roughly 40 feet by 60 feet. And then to cap it all off, they had a statue of Domitian erected. To this day, we have his big giant head and one of the arms from it in a museum. This, uh, this statue was some 27 feet tall. And it would overlook the ocean and overlook the land. Whether you came in from the ocean, you came on via the land, you would know this is the Lord, the God, Domitian. Okay, Lord of lords, God of God. And actually, even with the way that they built it, each pillar okay off of this terrace off of this overhang had a roman god a different one um, carved into each pillar the message being clear he is god of gods he is lord of lords and if you do not pay homage to him especially back then you will pay with your life now what's amazing is here is this level of greatness lordship he's a god right He would end up being uh, murdered by one of his own people that worked under him. The people, by the end of his reign, hated him so much, they wiped his name off of everything that they could. And today, if you went and saw the ruins of what was this great, imposing figure, it just looks like an empty field. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing standing. Nothing to remember him. So is the greatness and the lordship of man. There it is. Even the greatest who try to lift themselves up beyond who and what they really are are just swept into the pages of history. And so what we're going to look at is what makes Jesus, the power of Jesus, the power of our God so profoundly different that is not kept within the space of time or the space of our understanding. What makes um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What makes Jesus so profoundly different? What is it about him? And we're going to look at our text here in Ephesians three, seventeen to 21. And then we're going to focus in on just one particular verse. Ephesians 3. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep... This one section of verse 18. Here it is. Look at this. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is a fascinating thing that Paul would write. He's, he's actually building out dimensions for you. To imagine a space, the depth, the length, the width of God's love. And he's like, I know. You're trying to figure that out. Good luck. That's his point. It passes understanding it surpasses your ability to even totally grasp this kind of love and why because God operates in kind of a four-dimensional love this if this sermon had a this sermon had a title day be four-dimensional love of God what is what does that mean God operates on a plane that's what he's trying to say his love uh, affects you in a way that is is has a, a grandness and a depth and a power and a movement to it that you and I just simply don't possess But before we get to the four dimensions of God's love, before we get to the four-dimensional love of Jesus, let's just look at the one dimension of love that we all know, okay? Let's just look at the first one here. Let's look at this first picture. Okay, that's by definition one dimension, right? That's a one-dimensional line. There it is. Okay, so what does one-dimensional love look like? Here's what it sounds like. Oh, can you go back? Thank you. Yep, yep. And to the line. Nailed it. Thank you. All right, so let's go back to the, okay, what what does that sound like? I'll tell you what one-dimensional love sounds like. You ready? Mommy, I have to potty. I'm hungry. I want this. I want that. That's one-dimensional love. Okay, parents, recognize any of that? No, is that your soundtrack of the last... Ten years of your life. Okay, so this is what that is. There is one who gives, there's one who offers, and there's one who takes and one who receives. It's not malicious. It's just one who is constantly pouring, okay? It is going in one direction only, okay? And while that cute little two-year-old nugget of yours learned how to say, I love you, okay, and it melts your little stinking heart, parents, I get it, okay, they can't really get it, okay, it'll be 30 more years before my kids even realize what we went through, they won't even understand until they have their own kids, okay, so I would make the argument, actually, your children can never love you as much as you've loved them, they just can't get it, it's one way of pouring in, For so long, for so many years, service and sacrifice, late nights and heartache, okay? It is one direction, okay? That's one-dimensional love. Now, what's two-dimensional love? Here we go. All right, here's the next picture. Two-dimensional love is what we start experiencing in junior high and high school. See, uh, Concordia High School, I don't know what they were thinking when I was uh, in high school, but this week going into Valentine's Day, what we would do is you would fill out this personality survey. I'm not making this up, okay? And it costs like $5 per student, all right? And what they would do is once you fill out the survey, they, you would get back within like a few days the top five people that you were most compatible with. Yeah, I can't believe they would do that. So what I would do is I tried to size up the girls that I really wanted to go out with. And I thought I would change my answers thinking it would put me in better standing to get them on my top five and me on their top five. Do You see what I'm talking about? Okay. And uh, it didn't work at all. Okay. I ended up with the same five people I didn't want to go out with before. All right. And so that's what you ended up with. And the whole idea was all you're doing in that age, you're just sizing each other up. Two-dimensional love is this. Um, you love me because I love you. I forgive you because you forgave me. Oh, and if you break up that reciprocation, oh man, when it's two-dimensional love, them's fighting words. Yeah, like, like, like this. This is a two-dimensional version of I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for what I did. you're sorry too, right? Oh, see, and then it's on, right? Now we're going to argue about the I'm sorry return. Where was it? That's what it is. It's all about reciprocation. See? It's It's a mutual agreement. It's actually transactional, not transformational. Matter of fact, some of us in this room, a lot of times, some of our greatest hurts that we bring into our marriages or we bring into our lives or because we experience that two-dimensional love with a person. And that is so hard to bring into the third dimension of love sometimes. Some of our greatest scars as people come from that kind of relationship. And not until we're exposed to something that's more, or something that could be greater, or something that's more fulfilling, then we realize how broken that actually was. But for so many years, you can believe that this is great. This is how it's supposed to be, right? But it's just 2D. That's all it is. It's two dimensions. This way, this way. This way, this way. Well, then 3D. Well, three-dimensional love. Well, that's when Jesus now enters into the relationship. It's not just in a marriage. It's in your friendships. It's in your families. All of a sudden, before, I would ask you for forgiveness because I want it in return now I forgive because I was first forgiven now I love because I was first loved now I show grace because I was first given grace there's a whole third element that's now acting and moving okay and if you want to know what that looks like well I don't have it up on the screen actually you have it in your hand okay that little box that you got, if you want to know th- three-dimensional love, why don't you open that up right now? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It'll wake you up so that you only remember the last third of my sermon. That's good, okay? Go ahead and open that up and start chomping on those beautiful little candies. Now, here's the thing. I need you to save at least one to two for the end of the sermon, or you're going to ruin it, okay? So if you're one of these people that are about to go two to three at a time, slow down, partner, okay? Okay? Work your way through it. You can go ahead and eat them right now while we're talking. And I just want you, want you to look at those beautiful little treats in your hand. What do they have going on? Look at the height. Look at the depth. Look at the width. Look at the length of that sugary little treat. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? And each one has a little message for you. And doesn't it taste so good? I wonder what the next one's going to say to you, right? Right? So three-dimensional love has Jesus in the middle of it. And it's an experience now. Right now you're, you're with that experience, okay? And now there's, there is a weakness to it. And we'll get to what the weakness is even of three-dimensional love in just a second. But before I go there, let me just share this with you while you're enjoying that. It means that when you're a follower of Jesus... Part of your responsibility in this room is to be an ambassador of who Jesus is in those relationships. To represent who Jesus is in those relationships. See, the people in Ephesus, even at the time of Domitian, this crazy tyrant of a leader, it was by the way that they loved each other and by the way that they loved others that they represented Christ. People on the outside who only knew two-dimensional love would become fascinated and intrigued by this group of people that understood that there was this whole third thing going on, and they wanted that because they realized the whole two-dimensional thing is kind of flat and boring. There's something else that they could have, you see? And the problem that we run into in the church sometimes is we don't always protect that like we should, okay? And I'll just give you one example that does absolute damage to this representation of a third way, a third dimensional type of love that we experience with Jesus in the middle of it. You know, one of what, just a simple one. Ready? Gossip. Gossip. Do you know if you were told something in which you were not personally in the room when it was said, and you turn around and repeat that thing, that's gossip? Did you know that? Do you know that I have told people that if there's anything they've ever heard about me even let's say as the pastor as if I just walk around with a club just ruining people's lives right I've said here's the thing if there's anything you've heard you know what you can do bring that person and you come to my office and I will tell you everything as long as they give permission for that. I got to tell you what's interesting not one person has taken me up on that in two and a half years. But there's a whole lot being discussed. Let me tell you the other thing that's interesting about gossip with Pharisees, specifically a Pharisee mindset. A Pharisee is someone who knew God's word, knows God's law, knows his will, but they won't speak that Jesus is Lord. Isn't that interesting? That's a, that's a Pharisee. When you bring that idea into the church, and so we're all in the same playing field here, do you know that what they call the church, what Paul would call the church in Ephesus, in the, in the, in the book of Ephesians, you know what he calls Uh, The church, he calls it the bride. The bride. And you know what he calls Jesus? The groom. So the groom is Jesus, and the bride is the church. You know what gossipers like to do? Can I tell you a little bit what they like to do? Here's what they'll do they will more willingly talk about the bride to people than they will ever talk about the groom. And you'll ask them, why don't you talk about the groom? Well, I don't know enough. I just, I only go to Bible study every Sunday. I do go to a church, and I've got a midweek study, okay? I also have this portals of prayer thing that I'm doing, but other than those four to seven things I do every week, I just don't know enough to talk to people about the groom. By the way, can I just tell you about this thing about the bride that I heard? Yeah, were you there? No. Do you know the whole story? No. Do you know the context? No. Do you know the whole situation? No. Oh, so you really don't know a lot at all, but you're willing to talk about it. Well, yes. So bold with only half the information. This lays waste to a church. And this is this statement. Let me just make this really, really clear, okay? Because this is like the perfect thing to say when you're trying to raise money. Um, our elders and directors are about to cringe. This is going to be great. Um This is such an issue in the church and does so much damage to the church, believe it or not, okay? If this is you and you love to just stir it up and just keep it going kind of thing, okay, there's the door. I've got an app on my phone. I can help you find Lutheran churches anywhere in this city. I would rather die a hundred slow humiliating deaths being the butt of LCMS jokes for the next 10 years than to half exist broken, not honoring the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, having a Matthew 18, okay, and a John 17 kind of unity and love in a church. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You could take your talent, you can even take your money. And believe me, we could use your money. (laughs) It's just not worth it. This is how serious this is. Do you understand? The damage that it does to a church... And I have watched and am watching what's happening. the, The movement of Jesus in this church and I'm also watching the movement of Satan at the exact same time. We are in a spiritual battle as a church fighting for our lives. Every church in America, every church on the planet is dysfunctional. It is full of dysfunctional people. We will not be separated by whether or not we are dysfunctional. If you're new here and you came from a dysfunctional church, I've got bad news. We are also dysfunctional. The only thing that we may have going for us is God willing, we will deal with our dysfunction with grace and mercy and openness and transparency. Every place is dysfunctional. Just how do you handle it? So protecting it is huge. Protecting that third dimension is huge. So here you are, you're eating your candies. I know, I just got you to stop eating them. I'm sorry. Not a single person ate a candy on that last three to four minutes. Please continue eating again. Go ahead, go ahead. Just, let's just fill it up with the good feelings again, okay? We're, we're, out, of the, we're out of the punching you in the forehead phase. Okay, so the, now we have this going in, right? Now here's the problem with three-dimensional love. When it comes from you and I, there's Limitations. See, when I tell my wife I love her, it has a shelf life. It's as powerful as the moment it leaves my mouth and hits her ears. And I can show that for the rest of her days and for the rest of my days. But you know what my love can't do? My love can't keep her from getting sick. My love can't make her live forever. My love can't fix every aspect of your life. But I'll tell you the beautiful thing. God has written, even into the unbeliever, a fourth dimension. He's actually left you in this room just a shade and a shadow of something that cannot be measured, believe it or not. And you all have it within you. Did you know that? You have something within you right now that cannot be measured. It's height, it's width, it's depth, and it's length. And you want to know what that is? You want to experience it? We're going to do it right now. I want you to take one piece of candy out, okay? And I want you to read that little message on that piece of candy. And then what I want you to do, now listen closely, I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to lock eyes with them for two seconds. Do a two count in your head. And then I want you to say the phrase that's on that piece of candy. Okay? Don't read it. Lock eyes. Two seconds. Ready? Go. Look at you all. This is fantastic, all right? Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. You ready? You're welcome for that awkward moment, okay? Some of you just said text me or adorbs, all right? Some just said, miss you, right? I wish we had more single people in the room because right now there'd be so much tension and confusion, all right? Like, are you digging me or not? Was that on the candy? Did she just say that? Did she mean it? Like, that would be awesome right now, okay? There's only a few of you that are weirded out, okay? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You ready? What just happened inside of you was real. It's tangible. And you know it and I know it. And you can't touch it you can't measure it. You can't wrap your hands around it, but every one of us in this room knows that either that incredibly awkward moment or that incredible, beautiful little moment you just shared was very, very real. See, this is the problem, is that our words, okay, as awkward or is great, they great, they, they're, they're stored away and they're there, okay? And that moment happened, okay? But it has a shelf life between human beings to human beings. And when you talk about four-dimensional love, four-dimensional love is God's love for you, all-encompassing love for you. It's different than your love. It takes dead things and brings them back to life. It gives wholeness and healing. It gives a new identity and a new purpose. This is what Psalm 103.12 says. Okay, you ready? As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. In other words, your sin is constantly being moved further and further from you. In other words, your sin is further from you now than it was five seconds ago. It is being driven out by the all-encompassing presence of God's love, its fullness. So when you walk into this church and you're sitting here wondering if you're good enough for Jesus, you're the only one litigating that case. God actually says, I've forgotten your sin." You have a hard time forgiving and forgetting. That isn't his problem. That's yours. Whatever it is. And the four dimensions of this whole thing is not only is his words spoken, they travel throughout time. It covers your yesterdays. It covers before you ever walked into this church. It covers when you could care less about Jesus. It covers you right here and right now. And it will lead you, not wait for you, it will lead you into your tomorrow. It moves throughout time. It pushes out sin. It meets people where they're at. It's a whole different dynamic and power. It gives a new identity to people who are lost. It gives hope to people who thought they had no hope. Because they stand before a holy and righteous judge a God and they are found blameless before him because of the love of Jesus as far as from the east to the west pushed away from you to never be seen again that is four-dimensional love is the love of Jesus that is the difference between Jesus loving you and you loving one another and so as we struggle in this life the whole idea of just the third dimension is just so that people will see there's something different in this room than everyone out there that's lost and struggling and dying. Because once they get a taste of God's love, once they get a taste of the four-dimensional, all-encompassing, all-filling, right? East is to the west, your past, your present, your future. It changes everything. Forever. And so as good as that candy was, I know it's killer, all right? You're going to come up to the rail, and you're going to taste something else. And there's something else going on that we really can't explain. He says, this is my body. And he said, like, this is my body in the present 2,000 years ago, and yet we sit here acknowledging this is my body 2,000 years later. We sit and we have this meal as the rail extends into that wall. And if you can imagine on the other side of that wall is the continuation of this rail with all the saints here in the meal together from all time. A whole nother dimension of who God is that covers your past, your present, and your future. Don't miss that when you come up here. And if you're like what Paul is saying You're just like, what? I can barely wrap my mind around it. That's a good thing. He's a God that's bigger than you, whose love absolutely pursues you endlessly, completely, fully, inexhaustibly, and he meets you here by his grace and by his mercy and by his love.